Hey, Real Nerds listeners, there's many ways you can interact with the Real Nerds podcast. You can email us at realnerds at gmail.com. You can hit us on Twitter at Real Nerds. You want to check us on Facebook? You can just look for Real Nerds Podcast. You want to leave us a voicemail? Just call 720-6NERDS5. You want to listen to our episodes? You can check us out on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. This is Real Nerds Podcast, and for over 10 years, we have seen a new movie and podcasted our experience to the world. This week, we saw James Bond in Ian Fleming's uh, Barbara Broccoli production of No Time to Die. Wait, you're just going to leave out the salt spins? What the fuck, man? (laughs) (laughs) Stay tuned to the end of the episode where we will tell you if we recommend the film or not play the trailer and then spoil it i am here always with my fellow nerds brad hey zach hello and of course corinne because it's a british movie hi and we also talk about movie news movies that are coming out movies that we are watching horror edition because brad is a piece of shit motherfucker oh no you didn't and um I'm going to beat him in what we call yeah, I keep dreaming, loser. 2021. What are you calling your spread? Uh, the one where I uh, step on your neck and <laughs> uh, cripple you and never make you want to watch horror movies ever again. That's oh, my fuck. challenge. That doesn't that doesn't have a nice ring to it, Brad. It doesn't, but it doesn't have to because <laughs> the victors write the history. So. Gotcha. Well, I wanted to be like I wanted to be like my hero Ryan, so I called mine Zach. Stop sucking up. You yeah, yeah, that's right. R- Brad, you're just jealous because Ryan and I like black and white movies. Uh, uh, I'll tell you, Brad's is actually called Brad's even better, far superior to Ryan's Halloween Horror Challenge. <laughs> um, <laughs> bitch ass motherfucker. <laughs> Yeah, that's just, maybe my favorite thing that's ever been uttered in one of your movies is uh, Carson <laughs> when he says "bitch ass motherfucker" in one of them. <laughs> Good times. Uh, yeah. what, what is that in, Brad? Is that in? Um... <sighs> Fuck. That's uh, the disaster card commercial because that's he gets uh, they do the home invasion and then Adam turns <laughs> the tables right. on him. That's right. When he gets almost gets when he's about to get shot in the back of the head, he's like "bitch ass motherfucker," and then he gets shot in the back of the head. Yeah, I remember yep. that. <laughs> pretty dark stuff yeah <laughs> you know back oh, in 2002 when you could uh make fun of home invasions yeah <laughs> you can still make fun of them yeah speaking of brad's movies brad is there some news you want to share with us uh can we stop hey. real fast when i am the host <laughs> i do the transitions you do not do the transitions sorry i'm just trying to help don't need it hey brad speaking of movies and awards. <laughs> hey, Brad, what happened during the 48-hour film festival best of screening? Hey, Corinne, you want to talk about what happened at the 48-hour best of screening for me? <laughs> nah. 
that's your moment in the spotlight. I, I had that on stage. We uh, Justice Team won three awards. Um, best actor, well, tied best actress uh, with for, for Tanya Henderson. Uh, best sound design uh, and uh, best graphics. So, yeah, best graphics. That sounds like something you did. That's like the thing I did the most rushed job on <laughs> in the whole project <laughs> too, which is hilarious. So, but yeah, it was nice to see uh, Mike and Tanya finally get recognized for their uh, contributions over the years. I think you're also forgetting that the director brings that performance out of them. Uh, and... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's normally true, but I think uh, anyone who was there that weekend recognizes that I, I did not focus on coaching anyone's performances. So it was all, all self. No, I was in the room. You were definitely like, no, do it faster. Do it, you know, do it angrier and things like that. You definitely gave some direction. Did I? Mm. Yeah. I was, I was up already for many hours. So I, I clearly damaged my brain and forgotten it. I just remember setting up gear most of the time. Thankfully, some people on that set had gotten some sleep the night before. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the end of the line for Justice Team. And uh, I don't know, sometime soon it'll, it'll show up online for everyone to watch. So, I mean, I'm still appealing that decision about best assembly edit. I still think I should have won. Yeah, I mean, m- maybe next year they'll actually create the category for you. <laughs> that's true it would kind of help if it was there to begin with (laughs) um yeah and yeah i don't know what else it's it's it was cool you know after like two years of not doing awards uh for the 48 we uh made a pretty cool comeback so yeah the showing was really fun seeing all like there was uh some of the movies that had been in block d or whatever uh, Justice League had screened at before so we got to see some repeats but then it was fun to see some of the others from the other blocks and it was neat to see like the winning films and everything yeah I think six films from our block made it into the best of and the weird thing about this year's best of was that they had a bunch of awards but they only screened a couple of the films that had awards so mm-hmm. traditionally it, w- it, w- it was that they would screen 12 to 15 films and then some of those films had awards but it seemed to flip-flop this year and uh so it was weird to hand out awards to things people didn't see <laughs> so you know there are some kind of confused reactions in the crowd of like you know uh, i think it was best use of character and no one saw that character on screen so they're like okay huh yeah i think the y factor the one that was in block d they won for best ensemble and they they didn't get screened at the best of. Yeah. Which is, I, I thought that was actually a pretty strong piece. So I'm, I'm surprised it didn't, didn't get to be seen. So mm-hmm. onward a lot to of next variety. Year. Yeah, yeah. A lot of variety within the films. It was so fun. Brad, I have a pitch for you for next year. Next year you do a drama. It disappoints everybody because they want, they think, Oh, he's trying to go in a different direction. We want the same old Brad. And then the next year you do a comedy and then that's when you win best film. Can't miss. I thought you were going to say, stop doing it. <laughs> no, I'm never going to tell you to give up. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> That'd be funny though. 
Um, you're, you you inspire me half of the day, dude. So don't don't give up. And hey, Brad, give up. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Find us some clear, gonna... honest communication. <laughs> right. I'm going to make sure I'm the counterpoint. <laughs> <laughs> Stop wasting my life on these dreams. Um, yeah, I, I've wanted to do like a serious drama thing, but I was, <clears throat> whenever I do drama, I just feel like it's disingenuous. Like I like I just want to make fun of it at some point. Ah, uh, gotcha. I don't believe in it. <laughs> Deep down, you gotta play to your strengths. Yeah, the goal is strong. Even Mike said I should stick to comedy. So, <laughs> it's like, don't even try, dude. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever done a dark comedy? Maybe that Twice. could be a good oh, yeah. round. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Brad, do you know any other kind of comedy? <laughs> yeah, that's. I, is there any yeah. yeah i guess you kind of have like screwy comedies too you know like don't be a pussy <laughs> yeah abstract like absurdist comedy and dark comedy well anyways brad good job thanks man i i want to say i'm proud of you but i don't want you to get like a you know a big head so adequate job you Thank can you. do better next year <laughs> Perfect. i'm proud of you brad i'm proud thanks. of all of us thanks that gives me the fuel to keep going Wait, positive reinforcement gives you fuel? Fuel? Fuck. You didn't give me positive reinforcement. My whole life. <laughs> I meant your. Yeah, I meant Brad your... wants to do a better job at a spite. <laughs> your indifference fuels me, Ryan. <laughs> nice. Yeah, maybe I like it. Maybe I don't. I don't know. Try harder next year. <laughs> yeah, you haven't seen it yet, so I know you have no idea what we're talking about. It sucks because. Lately, all these screenings that you've been doing are always like on a Thursday or a Friday or a Saturday, and I work those freaking nights. Have you ever made it to a 48-hour screening? I don't think you have. Yeah, I uh, went to one. Um, it was a while ago. I forget which one it was, but I have been to it. But hey, I'm sure uh, our listeners really want to hear more about the details, the inner workings of this project I did. Yep. So... Go shot by shot. This will be your chance for a commentary. Um, so, yeah, since uh, Zach kind of fell off, I don't know what's going on with his internet. Can you hear um, me now? Oh, there he is. Okay, cool. Is that the Verizon guy? Good. <laughs> well, he switched over to another company, didn't he? Sprint. I think it was Sprint, and then now Sprint's owned by T-Mobile anyway. Yeah, I think there's like three <laughs> cell phone companies now. So you're saying they're all in bed together and it doesn't fucking matter who's the spokesman for them? Gotcha. Pretty much. (laughs) Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Should we go? What's coming out on (laughs) Blu-ray? DVD releases and Blu-rays. Oh wow, changing it up. Oh boy, Ryan. So many things. So many things. How how would you like to uh, do one thing and one thing only? Kill Nazis in 4K. Yeah, maybe. I'm sure I'll get a stern talking to, but <laughs> only if nah, we can drink nope. a bunch of champagne while doing it. That's a bingo. Yeah, that's right. Inglorious Bastards, the Quentin Tarantino 2009 classic, is coming to you on 4K with an exclusive steelbook as well. Um, 
And if you also want some Al Pacino and Sean Penn together in a movie, you can get Carlito's Way in 4K. So it's some universal output there. I have not seen that in forever. I can't remember if I like it or not. I don't remember a damn bit of it, Ryan. Maybe we should both watch it in the same week and come back with our thoughts. <laughs> yeah, but then I don't want to spend money on it. So is it streaming somewhere? <laughs> oh, I'm sure it is somewhere. I, I mean, totally I, was... I am spending money on it because I'm paying for the streaming. But you know what I mean. They, they're not. They, they're just getting your click. That's all they're getting. And by the way, I, I, I'm surprised at the things I can find on streaming. I found the thing, uh, 2011 thing with Mary Elizabeth Winston on Prime. So that's going to be in my lineup to watch. So you never know what you'll find in the streaming world. Uh, Kino Lorber is putting out Misery in 4K, uh, the 1990 Kathy Bates, uh, James Conn classic. And this is something I didn't realize was happening. Um, but the Columbia Classics Volume 2 4K Blu-ray, so they're doing more of these. You'll get Anatomy of a Murder, Oliver, Taxi Driver, Stripes, Sense and Sensibility, The Social Network. So, yeah, those, uh, those yeah, films. I'm not, like, a big fan of that lineup. <laughs> I, I mean, it seems like it's things that only I would give a shit about, Ryan, so I understand. <laughs> no, I mean, I love The Social Network, but it, it's weird that it has stuff like Oliver... The social network and stripes? What? <laughs> Wait, which sense of sensibility is it? Uh, I'm assuming it's the one from the 90s, Corinne. That's got to be the only answer. <laughs> um, the one and, with Alan Rickman, Kate Winslet, Emma Thompson, yes, Hugh yes. Grant. The one with me, Alan Rickman, and no one else. Um, <laughs> He's so good at uh, it. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, have you ever seen an Adam? Yes, it's the one with Emma Thompson. Yeah. Exactly. Ryan, have you ever seen Anatomy of a Murder? I have. I, I but own you'd it. Probably want the, you'd want the Criterion, yeah. I, I, I own the Criterion one. But then there you go. Then you're all set. You don't need it. And I know that you're not rewatching Stripes anytime soon. And certainly I like Stripes, <laughs> but it's a weird upgrade. And I, I, I know that because uh, I was part of this, they do it based on people voting. So that's how we got Last Action Hero on 4K. They didn't put it in their prestigious box, mm. but it's whatever, I guess, six, five or six movies that are uh, the most vote getters, which I think the Oliver one still like blows my mind. Am I the only one that thinks that movie is garbage or what? No, you're not alone. I'm not a huge fan of it. That's weird but- for an upgrade to 4K, right? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, it does have prestige behind it. And it's not like I don't think it's a sack of trash, but like it's just I just think there are better Columbia movies they can put on there. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a sack of trash. I think it's a sack of shit. Brutal frost over here. Kolchak, uh, The Night Stalker, the complete series uh, coming to you from Keener Lorber as well. Um, and we are also getting from Arrow. Legend from 1985 with Tom Cruise. I'm assuming this is the standard release because we talked about Legend being released last week. So this is the Arrow thing where they release a standard version later. Warner Archive is putting out the Ghost Ship and Bedlam. You get a Luton double bill uh, this week. I am definitely picking this up. You know what I'm also picking up, Ryan? You'll Mm -hmm. never guess. You'll never guess. You'll never guess it at all. Um, Something that rhymes with Kara. Uh, oh, oh, well, yes. Now, what would be the first word? Would it be something like Nye Carrera? Yes. <laughs> yes. Hi, Sierra, coming to you from Criterion and for, uh, on Blu-ray. 
the Raoul Walsh 1941 classic with Ida Lupino and Humphrey Bogart. This is the film that he made before Maltese Falcon. So this is the film that was able to get him another leg up to get in the Maltese Falcon, which then gives him a leg up to be in Casablanca. And then the legend is uh, uh, the rest is history. My friends, um, this will also include uh, the uh, complimentary version, Colorado territory. So you get different versions of this mo- uh, of this story being told. And you also get the Raoul Walsh documentary from 2019, which I didn't think would ever come out. So I'm very excited for this. Um, uh, what's the last movie Humphrey Bogart appeared in, Zach? Um, God damn it. Uh, that would be Last Action Hero. <laughs> I thought you were being sincere. I'm sorry, because I'm, I'm not remembering. But I no, guess he, technically that's true. He is. So You're does that mean up with the Bert- black and white reincarnation of Humphrey Bogart. Bogart. <laughs> now, Wasn't he just in that, Space Jam, a new yeah, legacy that, then? That, that, no, no. That means Ingrid Bergman's last movie was Space Jam, a new legacy. <laughs> Fudge. That's right. Yeah, Ryan, if you want to if you want to joke around, remember what you're doing. <laughs> no, when she showed up in, in Space Jam, I checked out immediately. I'm like, this movie is a piece of shit. <laughs> it's the only frames of Casablanca in 4K that we've been able to see. <laughs> It's stupid. According um, to IMDb, it is 1956's The Harder They Fall. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Thank you, Corinne. Um, let me see here. What else do we got? Free Guy, new release. Uh, free Guy in 4K coming to you. Um, I like Free Guy. Ryan liked Free Guy. I don't think anybody out there didn't like Free Guy, right? Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> I didn't. Someone, who, someone no. who has a heart as black as the depths you, of the ocean. I don't know. <laughs> you, you'd have to, you'd have to lead a pretty sad life making forty-eight-hour movies to not like Free Guy. Screw you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let me tell you this. Uh, here, I'll. I'll I'll, I'll offer something up. How about Deadly Friend from 1986 coming to you from Scream Factory? Wes Craven's 1986 shock. And does everyone know why that movie's so infamous? Enlighten me, Mr. Frost. So if you've gone to the Alamo as many times as we have, there's a part where they're like, you know, no talking, and the chick throws a basketball and it hits the dude's head and explodes. That's from this movie. <laughs> oh. Nice. No, I mean, it's not as cool as, and I wish he would shut the fuck up. <laughs> no, <Nah>, that's funnier. <laughs> that's funnier. The Flash, uh, the complete series, or the seventh season. Sorry, I was going to be like, yeah, this thing's still fucking going, isn't it? Yes, the seventh season of The Flash is now available for everybody. You can also get The Haunting of Bly Manor. Uh, and you can also get a two-series pack of The Haunting of Bly Manor and The Haunting of Hill House. Uh, so all you all you Shirley Jackson fans want to check that out. Uh, uh, there is a- I have the Blu-ray of The Haunting of Hill House, and it's awesome. I wish uh, all the cool Netflix shows would be put out on yeah. uh, Blu-ray. Hey, hey, I don't Ryan, know why they only do some. I don't know. Hey, Ryan, don't you think it'd be cool if they put some of their movies in on Blu-ray, too? You know, like yeah. maybe, maybe a movie by two brothers who never made a bad movie. Maybe maybe, maybe get that. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, maybe get that fucking shit done, Netflix. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Stop, stop being, stop being discriminatory in your boardroom and actually release shit. 
Uh, didn't you get the Irishman on uh, Blu-ray? Yes, and they also have Marriage Story and Rome. Um, uh, I believe Roma, but Violet or Buster Scruggs. Um, the last film from them as a team, as of now, uh, is not available on Blu-ray. It is only on their streaming service. So, but um, so if that means I have to keep buying copies of the Irishman so that they listen to me, I'll do it. I, I have no problem spending <laughs> forty bucks a week. <laughs> okay <laughs> by the way guys you're getting the irishman for christmas no uh, i'd rather get coal <laughs> christmas came early this year ryan came early um uh, there is a steel book uh limited edition steel book of the friday the 13th 8 movie collection from paramount uh so ryan would you end up getting this i don't know what the price is on it but no because it's yeah it's just so i was actually at best buy today and i saw it and i touched it too uh, uh, you did cool (laughs) um no it's so what they did and this is i'm guessing how screen factory got the uh permission to use the paramount films is they just repackaged the screen factory ones but for stuff like Friday the 13th, where in the Screen Factory set has a couple discs. This only has the first disc. So it's, I guess if you don't own it and you haven't got the deluxe set and you don't want to own the complete collection, I mean, I guess pick it up. Or if you think the complete collection is too expensive, then... Yeah, because I also saw that that's starting to uh, go away. <laughs> Wait, really? Like it's a, Well, it is limited edition, so it's pretty much like it's run its course now. So I do know on Amazon, they don't have any more new ones. Um, I did see it out in the wild at Best Buy today. So me too. Have, <laughs> oh my God. If you haven't picked it up, uh, I'd pick it up soon. So it's not like the Halloween set that I have that's selling for over $500 on Amazon right now. You mean the one that I've got also, and also the standard 10 disc version and also the 4k, the 4k versions. And also I've got too many copies of Halloween in the house, right? And I I have a problem. (laughs) The scream factory one at Best Buy right now is actually on sale for 95. So that's a sweet deal. Yeah. That is a really good deal. How much did we pay Ryan? 150. Yeah. Yeah. But I got two posters. (laughs) That's true. I didn't even get that. I don't remember if I got mine from, no, I got mine from Amazon, not uh, scream factory. Yeah, that was my problem, you see. Um, You're also getting some reissues of some Miramax movies, uh, more Dimension films, whatever. Uh, The Road from 2009 with Viggo Mortensen, which I thought was a pretty good movie. I like that movie. Yeah, it's good. Uh, Sin City, A Dame to Kill For. That's not a movie I like. I I really don't like that movie. No. That's all right. I mean, it's it's not the first one. Um, And then a movie called Youth in Revolt from 2009 with Michael Cera. Um, I do like that movie a lot. (laughs) I saw it. I got to see it early at that stars festival and I don't remember going back to the theater for it. I, I, I remember enjoying it enough, I guess, but I barely remember it. If I'm having to look at it and go like, Oh yeah, that existed. Um, a single man from 2009. It's just the 2009 lineup guys. Um, and uh, survive the game with uh, Bruce Willis and Chad, Michael Murray coming to you on Blu-ray and digital. And the last thing that I've got here is, the Hound of the Baskervilles with Peter Cook and Dudley Moore from 1978. So if you want some comedy abound from Code Red, check out The Hound of the Baskervilles. And that is Blu-rays, my friend. Movie news. 
It's real news. Well, we got we we got some pretty some pretty big stories. I think the biggest story of the week, hands down, is um, uh, we got we got our first look at Wonka guys. No, I mean he, Timothy Chalamet looks like a cool Wonka. That's that's not really news. What is news is Guardians of the Galaxy three has enlisted Will Poulter as Adam Warlock. Now, <clears throat> I know nothing about Adam Warlock, uh, Ryan. I'm assuming you do. Please educate me. Um, he is known as the perfect being. So. I mean, if you're cast as that, that's pretty awesome, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, so Ryan, why didn't they cast you? No. Oh. Well, I'm really busy. Um, you know, couldn't afford me. Yeah, it's just too much. It's too much work. You know. Um, what are you, Vin Diesel? <laughs> no, being me, but I, you know, I will, I will uh, teach. Uh, Will Poulter, how to act and get the best out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that's what I do, you know. Right on. Wonderful. No, he's, uh, yeah, you know, I, I'm not the best with him, but he's, uh, yeah, he's kind of like a cosmic Superman, I guess, if I could describe him the best way. Okay. So he's like, um, but he's probably got. A little bit more dimension or something than Superman. Yeah, it's. I mean, he's. Uh, yeah, I. I don't know. Like, I've never been. The I'm not as big into Marvel cosmic stuff. I'm more of a, you know, Spider-Man street level hero guy. Mm. Um, so I never really got into Silver Surfer or the Fantastic Four. Um. I mean, I have issues, but usually it's because Mephisto shows up. But um. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, well, I like Will Poulter. Um, I'm sure you all remember a movie called We're the Millers where he's hilarious in it. So, um, And he's also uh, pretty good in Midsummer, but he doesn't have much to do in Midsummer. So hopefully he gets more to do in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Yeah, I mean, uh, my limited knowledge is I know he's like created to be the perfect person and then he rejected like his creators and flew to space and had space adventures. I don't know if that's what they're going to do because he was teased at the end of guardians too. So. Oh, that's right. Know. Yeah. The Becky's character is like, yeah, bring it at him. Yep. Wonderful. Moving on. Hey, Ryan, do, do you want to go to, do you want to go to California um, from April 21st to the 24th? Uh, sure. What are we doing? We're going. We're going to do the Turner Classic Movies Classic Film Festival because it's returning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the theme is now is all together now back to the big screen. Uh, TCM has announced we are thrilled to be returning to Hollywood for our thirteenth ter- festival next spring. We are grateful to share the TCM Classic Film Festival fans with fans virtually the last two years. But there's nothing like being in a theater, enjoying the movies the way they were meant to be seen on the big screen. Uh, so yeah, we're finally getting the return of that uh, festival, and I would like to make it a mission to actually go to this this time. I think that'd be a fun time. Uh, so Hell Ryan, yeah. uh, make sure you tell Crime to take a couple days off in April. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always keep telling Ryan that's how it works, and <laughs> somehow keep one day they'll around. listen. 
time to hold the cops accountable. You have until April to clean up your city. <laughs> Fuck. That's right. We haven't. You know what? That's been the problem, Brad. We haven't set a deadline. <laughs> I know it's so open ended. They just have no incentive to do anything. How did you know? <laughs> now, now, now. If 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 they get the task completed, I'll buy them all a small popcorn at the festival. They gotta pay for their own festival tickets, though. Hmm, raid these meth dens or eat these donuts. I don't know. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I'd pick donuts for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Man, <laughs> gosh. Um. Anywho, um, only two other pieces of news that I really able to find. Uh, William Shatner's going to space. Now, is this? Is this something that just landed this week or have I been living in a hole in the ground for the past couple of months? I have no idea. Um, um, I mean, the first I heard about it was a couple of weeks ago. Okay. So but... then, so then, yeah, I was living in a hole in the ground. Um, but yes, uh, Jeff Bezos, space travel company, Blue Origin, uh, has uh, announced that the sci-fi t- TV and film icon would be a crew member on board New Shepard NS-18, the launch will take place October 12th. See, that's a mistake because the, they got the name of the ship wrong. It's called USS Enterprise. So already Jeff Bezos is fucking up again. <laughs> there is a great meme going around where uh, you yeah. see Blue Origin <laughs> and uh, with Khan. So. <laughs> oh, oh, I, th- I was looking at the other one where uh, Kirk's in his yellow uniform and the people around him are in red uniforms. <laughs> that one's funny. Um, so yeah, uh, Captain Kirk's going to space. Um I hope it's introspective for him in some way. I have, I don't know what I would love to know what's going on inside Shatner's head as he's uh, finally in space after being associated with space for so long. Uh, and then the last piece of news is we have a legendary uh, death this week uh, that Ryan and I are probably a little bit more in tune with, I guess. Uh, Ruthie Thompson uh, uh, worked for the animation on Walt Disney uh, feature films, starting with Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs all the way up to The Rescuer. She died at the age of 111. Um, she was a supervisor of the scene planning department at Disney Studios. She helped establish the camera mechanics used to photograph animated scenes and background art onto film. So that would have been working partially with multiplane cameras, I'm, I'm assuming, in that process. That expertise earned her a pioneering invitation to join the International Photographers Union in 1952. Um, she said, apparently the boys were impressed by with my curiosity and decided that because of what I did mechanically with the camera moves that I should be part of the camera union. Um, I was one of the two women that were taken in. I thought that feels good. Uh, so yeah, she started from the, from the very birth of Disney, uh, Disney feature animation. Uh, she said on working on snow white, we worked into the night day after day until we got it exactly right. Um, so she were, she was not only working on that, she was also simultaneously working on the short cartoon Lonesome Ghosts, which was released in the same year in 37. So it's one of Mickey's best. Yeah. And um, the she was then assigned to review animation cells before they were photographed onto film. In 1948, she was promoted to animation checking and scene planning. So she kept working up. Um, this is it's amazing. And what a legacy. And to have lived that long. Uh, Disney historian and author Mindy Johnson uh, wrote a book about her and the other women of the Walt Disney Animation Studios called Ink and Paint, the Women of Walt Disney's Animation. Um, 
uh, she said the best way to describe Thompson is simply remarkable. She was perhaps the last link from the earliest origins of animation in Hollywood. Ruthie was a living witness uh, and vital contributor to the progress and growth of the animation industry as we know it today. So uh, Ruthie shall be missed uh, by the real nerds. So hell of a life. I agree. It's fucking. Have you read the book uh, that I, I I think you have that book, right? You should just get the audio book. I've got the audio book. I've got a credit somewhere. I think that's the next one I'm going to get. I've been uh, listening to the Ward Kimball book. That's been interesting. Hmm. Anyway, that's news. Hey, Brad, can you take us around town this week? I sure can. Hey, film buddies, follow me around Denver. We're only going halfway around town because the 88 drive-in is done for the season. Boo. So we will uh, say goodbye until maybe next April and head on up north to the Holiday Twin Drive-In where they are still screening on screen one, No Time to Die and The Addams Family 2 and on screen two, Venom, Let There Be Carnage and Candyman. That's fun. Yeah. No burrito. That's what's going on around town. Yeah. Short and sweet. We also watch films throughout the week in a segment I call Ryan Spooktacular 2021. No, no. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Corinne, what you've been watching? Oh, a lot. Mostly anime. So I'll try to go through it pretty quickly here. Um, I watched a series called Violet Evergarden on Netflix. It's a Netflix original animation. It's pretty good. Uh, kind of slow at first, but you know it's more of a character piece, and each episode's pretty self-contained. So it's about a woman who was a soldier in the war, and her uh, sergeant, major, whatever uh, supervisor gets killed, and so now she's kind of adrift and trying to figure out what to do with her life, and so she ends up becoming. Um, they call them dolls, but it's uh, a career field where you can. Uh, basically write letters for people. So that's what she goes into and she meets a lot of interesting people along the way. So that's pretty good. Violet Evergarden. There are also some like spinoff movies that I think I've watched one and there's another one I haven't seen yet and they're okay. Uh, Then I watched uh, some of an anime called Your Lie in April and it's about a young boy who uh, was a piano prodigy and his mom died. And so then he just kind of uh, went into this depressive spiral and hasn't played the piano in two years. And then he meets this uh, other young mu- musician. She's a violinist and she kind of helps him get out of his. Um, Is he a pianist? <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? That's making yeah. a joke. All right. <laughs> I said he plays the piano. Anyway, well, he falls in love with her, and so she tries to help him uh, rediscover the beauty of music and help him uh, use music as a way to work through some of the grief and and unresolved uh, feelings that he has. Uh, It gets to be pretty melodramatic. I've only made it like halfway through, and honestly, the episodes are kind of becoming a little bit of a chore, so I might just drop it. It's not like amazing it's okay um then i watched 
another Netflix anime called The Way of the House Husband, and it is awesome. The animation is a little funky. It's uh, very much like in a comic strip style, so it's like you get like a single frame and like nothing moves except for their mouths, but then it will give you another frame, and it's again, it's very low budget, but um, the voice actors do a great job, and the writing is phenomenal. It's about an ex-gangster who becomes a house husband and just kind of a lot of the humorous things that happen as a result of that. You know, he's constantly thinking in terms of, you know, um, like gangster things. And of course, he looks super menacing. So people are always assuming that, you know, when he's talking about like cooking or something that they think he's like talking about, you know, something really bad, like he's going to go kill someone. And uh, they're, oh, man, there's uh, 10 episodes. They're each about 20 minutes long. So it's a pretty quick watch. And it's like kind of like what happened with the disastrous life of Psyche K, where they're just little snippets, um, like almost little chapters within an episode. And they're pretty much self contained. I mean, you see like reoccurring characters pop up, but um, yeah, it's just like little vignettes of like his life and the different uh, things that he does as a house husband. And the one in the episode that I watched last night, um, he can't sleep because they watched like a scary movie or something. So he says like counting things is supposed to help, right? So he starts counting, you know, like one Yakuza, two Yakuza, three Yakuza, 10 Yakuza and a cop. Like, (laughs) it's just really weird. And I I just, I really like the humor in the show. It, It made me laugh out loud multiple times. So I highly recommend it. Uh, the Way of the House Husband, it's on Netflix. And then uh, Hanyu no Yashahime, the Inuyasha sequel anime, is back. They are two episodes into the new season. It's really good so far, but I will be talking about that more. I'm really excited for next week's episode. And then Fruits Basket Season 3, which is the final season dropped. Um, I really enjoy Fruits Basket. It's an excellent anime. I actually... (laughs) kind of weird like my sisters and I all independently watched the show and then we all figured out like oh hey you watched that too so then we've started sending each other like memes about it and then they have seen season three and I hadn't yet but I read the rest of the manga so I already knew how it ended and it gets to be pretty melodramatic but I mean the show was already melodramatic enough it's it's basically about this young girl, Toru, who she encounters a family named the Somas and she gets tangled up in their whole mystical nonsense. I don't want to give too much of it away, but um, yeah. It's, That's your thing is spoiling stuff. Eh, I, try, I try not to sometimes. No, you don't. <laughs> trying to be better about it anyway. So Fruits Basket Season 3, all three seasons are on Hulu, and it is an excellent show. The animation is gorgeous. It's probably one of the best animated shows I've ever seen. It's got recommended to me by a good friend of mine, Fruits Basket. uh, Yeah, there was one. There's a version from from 2009. Oh, okay. Never mind. I got the rear wrong then. Yeah, so there, there was an older version from 2001 that goes up through like maybe a third of the manga. Um, and then they didn't get like a second season. So then 2019, they rebooted it. And so they, it's based on the same manga, but it's like way, way better animation. But a lot of the English voice actors got brought back. 
Yeah. She told me to watch the first iteration, but to just to ignore the ending. So um, uh, I'm curious to see what this all turns out to be. I mean, the ending's pretty much the, well, I don't, it's been a while since I've seen the first couple of seasons. I want to go back and rewatch it now because when I just picked it up where season three started, I was like, wait, I vaguely remember who is everybody again? <laughs> oh man, my boy Momiji, he got quite the glow up after he went through puberty, went from looking like this little dainty, girly looking kid to, oh, hmm, Momiji. <laughs> wait, you're talking about a cartoon, right? Yeah, but it's a, like his character design, like they, that was the whole point is that he was growing up and moving on and it makes sense when you see the show, Ryan. What, that I'll be attracted to a cartoon? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe you will. I don't know what you're... What well, you're... is that what you were saying? You're like, yeah, he started off as this, this, and then he got older. And like, Whoa, no. Nice. Ryan, Ryan, I'm telling Laura that you're attracted to a cartoon. <laughs> I mean, I am. I love... Uh... Jessica Rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> well, who doesn't? <laughs> So anyway, Fruits Basket, it's on Netflix. Um, Two more things I'll talk about, or I'll save what if for when Ryan talks. Um, But I did watch, I'm not sure if you guys have seen it yet. I saw Squid Game on Netflix. Did anybody else watch Squid Game? No, but how is it? Hyperviolent and really brutal, (laughs) which is... (laughs) Which is why I kind of did like an abridged version where anytime it got to be too intense, I just fast forwarded through it. And honestly, that was probably about the way to do it for me. So there were some conversations that I guess people brought up, you know, online that I skipped. And I'm like, okay, I don't know. Everybody's really attached to this character, but I didn't like them. (laughs) But yeah, it's, it's okay. It was just something different, I guess. I mean, I was invested enough to see how it ended. Hmm. Right on. Cool. Okay. And then Brad. Now we have to talk about the season two finale of Ted Lasso. Oh, here come the spoilers. Yes. Spoiler. Mega spoiler warning for anybody who cares about season two of Ted Lasso. Where am I supposed to go? Turn your headphones off or something. Tune out, Ryan. I don't have headphones. Can you just not wait? It doesn't matter. You've already spoiled it on your Twitter feed. So go ahead. <laughs> are, are you really going to watch it? Uh, yeah, you told me to watch it, Brad. So I take what you said. <laughs> I'm so oh, excited. The fact that I offered... Don't ruin this for me, Corinne. <laughs> oh, oh, well, you know what, Brad? I offered Ryan. I said, if you watch Ted Lasso, I'll watch any horror movie you want. Uh, that was not true. You had caveats into that. Oh, okay. Sorry. As long as it didn't have sexual assault in it. I think that's a pretty decent caveat, Ryan. Meh. Meh. Those are the anyway. best horror films. Ugh, gross. Anyway, Brad, let's talk Ted Lasso. Man, I just... I don't know how I'm going to get through my Thursday night without this show. Dang it. What is season three right now? Uh yeah, it's it's a a long long wait to resolve that. That's that I guess cliffhanger called cliffhanger. I don't know. It's it's mm-hmm. kind of like the ending of season one with a different person to me. So mm, I think it's got a little bit more drama to it this time. Yeah, I, I thought more was going to come out of Jamie Tart. You know, 
giving the finger to the franchise and then leaving. But the first episode of the new season was him kind of licking his wounds and making his way back. So it's entirely possible that this guy will might do the same thing. You know, they might just accelerate. I think the fact that he's teamed up with Rupert, though, I don't know. There's going to be a whole bunch of drama coming out of that. My biggest worry is that I read something that said that they only planned for three seasons. So I read something about that, too. Although then I read something else that they said three seasons for sure, but they might go beyond that. I think it just depends on, you know, what they feel about, like the creative material and whether they can stretch it out anymore or whether they would want to. Because I think that Jason uh, Sudeikis is going to get like a major um, pay raise per episode. So that might be an incentive for them to just say, nope, three seasons only, because we don't want to have to pay a lot more for the show than we already are. Yeah, I think Apple Plus is at the bottom of the uh, streaming rankings. So Mm -hmm. they're definitely not going to be excited about spending money for stuff. But then again, it's probably their most popular show. It just won a whole shit ton of Emmys. I think it's getting a lot of traction with people online. So it gets my subscription every every time it debuts so mm-hmm. which reminds me i gotta go end my apple plus <laughs> subscription <laughs> until it comes back i think i'm still on my free year through january it might be later than that i'll have to look into it but i know my dad said that he wants to watch foundation whenever i'm home for christmas so i have to at least hold on to it till then Guys, you have to keep your subscriptions so that you can support Joel Cohen's The Tragedy of Macbeth in th- in theaters and Apple Plus in December. You know what? I, I was going to. You said that. that. So I'm going to go cancel right now. <laughs> I do want to watch that, Zach. Yes, that's good. right. Corinne, Corinne, you and I could geek out over that and leave these two mm-hmm. in the dust. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, overall, I'm very happy with season two. I know a lot of people bitched early on about oh, there's nothing happening in it. And it, by the end, it's like, oh my gosh, so like, much stuff happens. I like Corinne's impression of angry fan people. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's pretty accurate. <laughs> oh yeah, it is. I just love. I every, just love that she's doing it. <laughs> every Twitter uh, post I read, that's what I hear in my head. So, yeah, lead me to them, Brad. I'll just be like, guys, enjoy your stuff. Just have fun. Yeah, and then kind of... when I read Corinne's Twitter post, I go, really. Because she spoils everything. I think uh, I think it was Thursday night. I uh, got done with uh, No Time to Die, and I just checked my phone after the movie, not even thinking about Ted Lasso. And uh, like I popped up, I started catching the classics. Ted Lasso I was like, no, close it. <laughs> yeah, yep. see, I've learned. You should just be catching the spoilers. That should be your Twitter handle. Don't tempt no. me, Ryan. Spilling the secrets with Corinne Westman. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be the next after after the 40th iteration we'll do that one <laughs> okay yes yeah, spill in the secrets i'll hey, just ryan, spoil everything yeah <laughs> ryan here i, I want to give corinne a break here i'll spoil some things for you ryan uh rosebud was the sled uh ilsa got on the plane uh and uh um, oh, no dude she didn't get on the plane maybe yeah, not she, today maybe not tomorrow but soon and for the rest of her life she would regret it if she didn't get on that plane now 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 yep. Anybody else? 80-year-old jokes? No? All right. Wait, 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 Ryan. You you don't understand. After that, 
He shoots Conrad Veidt, a.k.a. Joker, a.k.a. Nazi dead. And then Claude Rain says, round up the usual suspects. And then they walk off together in the fog as the theme to La Marseilles plays at the end. And it's amazing. Brad, I completely forgot to mention the whole Roy Keeley thing. Did you think that was weird, too? It's weird they put all that drama in the last three episodes of the season. Like, it seemed like they had a pretty good... Uh, Not even the last three. I, think, I thought it was more like the last one. Like, last... what exactly are you trying to do here? I think, uh, I think they were just trying to like establish that you know Keeley is kind of like, like moving on to bigger and better things, um, and Roy has kind of lived his life and doesn't really aspire to much more. Um, so they might just be, you know. They're not at odds with each other. Just it's, it's just a natural thing. They like they might just be telling a story, which you don't see a lot of, of just like couples that just drift apart. You know, not that they're doing anything wrong to each other. It's just they gr- outgrow each other. So, and like you know, he was worried that sh- she was dumping him at the end of the episode, but you know, it was cool at the end. He looked at that that stuffed cheetah and he was like, "Nah, I don't care about this. I'm Roy fucking Kent. <laughs> I'm fine on my own." Hmm. I just feel like about a this. way to manufacture conflict. Oh yeah, I think it was just like just add more drama to the. There's something else I read about this: the entire episode being this uh, inverted pyramid structure, which is why they did the like three months later, two mm-hmm. days later type thing. Yeah, I so saw that too. I think that just filled part of that time. So because yeah, it didn't really like add anything to the season. I thought that was like useful, especially because they teased us the whole Jamie. Well, it was hilarious when. Roy did headbutt him <laughs> after all. <laughs> so that you could hug him. Yeah. Uh, Which side note, I totally thought Sam was gonna go with that guy. Oh yeah, that was a surprise. Yeah. I mean it makes sense. I'm pretty sure that if he had left the show, people would have rioted. Because Sam is like everybody's favorite character. Him and Danny. Everyone loves Danny. Football's life. Football is life. Ah, man when he took the penalty shot i knew he was gonna say that like yes football is death but football is also life (laughs) anyway so other than what if that's all i've been watching zach (laughs) all right um well uh i've been participating in this whole spooktacular uh marathon of a of a sorts uh, so I went ahead and continued my journey by rewatching the black cat. Uh, black cat is wonderful. If you haven't seen it. Uh, Bella Lugosi plays Dr. Vitas Werdegast, who uh, uh, travels with two young uh, recently married folks um, on a train and they are bound similar destinations and uh, their uh, carriage uh, to their destination crashes and it lands right at the doorstep of where Vitas Werdegast needs to be at the house of Hilmar Potzig. Uh, who is a demonic, twisted leader of a Satanist cult. And he, Dr. Vertigast, is out for revenge. And I have a feeling he will succeed. Uh, it's Karloff and Lugosi, guys. You can't go wrong there. Um, rewatch The Howling, uh, Joe Dante's uh, werewolf outing from the same year as American Werewolf in London. And I still like that movie a lot. It's a lot of fun. Makeup effects are fucking dope. They're... I was trying to do this whole game of like who does the effects better. And obviously American werewolf in London is the winner in that department. 
but the makeup trans the transformation and um the big transformation in the howling is actually a lot of fun um it goes on a little too long um for an effect that's not as gripping as the one in American Werewolf in London, but it's still pretty damn wonderful. Um, and watching Slim Pickens be a werewolf is fun too. Uh, I finally saw the movie Saint Maud, uh, which was um, a COVID delay movie. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's about a woman who um, underwent some trauma in her life, and it uh, it uh, led her to becoming a born again. Uh, Christian who's very um, devoutly dedicated to the Roman Catholicism way of things. Uh, and she was a nurse at one point at a regular hospital. And now she's a private care nurse taking care of this uh, uh, leader of a dance troupe who's uh, dying of cancer or uh, some kind of terminal, terminal illness. Um, and uh, Maud's whole situation is, is that she speaks to God directly. And so whenever she, pleases god or does something that within god's will she receives pleasure like a tingle of sorts and the whole movie becomes about her mission to save the person that she's caring caring for um the the movie and the reason that i do recommend people watch it whether or not you like it's not really a slow burn but it's it's an 80 something it's an 87 minute movie that feels like a slow burn but it it's so insane what goes on that you're gonna you're gonna wonder you're gonna wonder why it felt that fast compared to other movies like Ari Aster does, um, which I like both, but this one does a really efficient job at it. Um, in this movie, whereas religion is usually portrayed as like the savior against a demon of sorts, the movie seems to portray religion itself as the villain and i thought that was very innovative (laughs) to do uh within the respect of like if you actually spoke to god and this is the delusion you're going on then uh this would be the final result of that uh blind worship um and it's a pretty fantastic horror piece as a result um if you haven't seen it it's available on epics um via your prime or hulu channels and i do recommend you seek it out uh rewatch the thing from another world uh the howard hawks uh christian nivey version um it's still fun um i did an episode on ballyhoo with it but uh aside from like having to do research from that i did like getting lost in the science of it for what it's supposed to be which you know the thing from another world is the you know the version we got from carpenter is better but i do like how this one has um uh, an attempt at some form of strange science in its own fashion. Uh, but the movie's like, <laughs> the movie feels weird to watch when it's like ramingly anti scientist <laughs> uh, in the process of like a Red Scare allegory. So I don't know. Uh, if you want to check it out, uh, please do. Um, rewatch White Zombie uh, with Bella Lugosi, the Halprin film. Um, film still works pretty damn well. Um, I did a couple of pre-codes um, the last couple of days and white zombie out of all of them is still the most interesting because it's clearly shot on a low budget. It's clear that they don't have the same flourishes as others, but what they are able to get out of the moments that they can is pretty damn fantastic. And Lugosi is the reason you're watching that movie, but there's some other moments in it that still come very close to like truly hitting pretty adequate beats for the era. Um, of the other pre-codes I watched were um, Murders in the Room Morgue, which I just watched today, and um, 
Ryan, did you did you pick up that Scream Factor at all? No. Uh, I I think you should. Uh, it's it's not that it's not that expensive right now on Amazon, uh, and it's a fun flick. Um, it's Robert Flory, the guy who was originally. Uh, there's I don't I, the, there's multiple sources that say he was at one point attached to Frankenstein before James Whale got a hold of it. Um, but he's basically doing th- his version of that story with um, Bella Lugosi playing Dr. Miracle, whose goal is to find a woman whose blood matches well enough so that his uh, uh, hybrid, his ape Eric can mate with a woman and thus create a ape child. Um, and it is quite a uh, quite a bold movie for 1932 i hadn't seen it in forever and the print looks good there's two commentaries on the disc it's pretty fantastic so if you if you're looking for an interesting 60 minute romp murders in the room morgue is up your up up your alley um and it's and it was shot beautifully um the only thing you'll be able to notice is that there's a person walking around in an ape suit for the wider shots of eric the ape and in the close-ups it's clearly stock footage of an ape um, and then I picked up the criterion of Island of Lost Souls, which I had not seen in a long time as well. And it's Charles Lawton playing Dr. Moreau, uh, with Bell Lugosi playing, uh, the lead of some of the rejects out on his Island. And, um, I love that criterion, Ryan, if you don't have it, you need to get it. Um, it's pretty damn wonderful how they go through. There's several different interviews. Uh, one with David J. Skull, one with uh, Rick Baker and Bob Burns, uh, another one, um, another one with uh, Mark Mothersbaugh um, of Devo talking about how Devo was inspired by the movie. Um, but David J. Skull's one pointed something out that I never noticed before, which is that if you watch that movie, Charles Lawton's kind of playing it like um, Oscar Wilde, um, so he's kind of playing into the subtler homosexual subtext of it which given that that story of dr moreau comes out within this time period of picture of dorian gray or this like that these adaptations come out within the span of 10 years of each other so you've got you've got the picture of dorian gray the warner archive one so it's it's running into similar territory on pushing the lurid and pushing broader themes and pushing bigger ideas and Lawton's performance in it is an exemplar of that. Um, and it's pretty damn bold for a movie of, of that era to be so very abrasive with its imagery of vivisection and half animal, half man creatures. Like it, it's a fantastic film that I really recommend people check out. Um, rewatch Plan 9 from Outer Space. I gave this movie three out of five stars on Letterboxd because it's a great movie even though it's a terrible movie. Um, and I got to watch it with film club this time around and God damn it. That movie's just so much fun to poke at. It's just, but it's such a blast to watch at the same time. I love watching Ed Wood try to world build and failing. Um, so if you've never seen plan nine from outer space, uh, I'll, I will not describe a damn bit of it. You just need to watch it. Uh, and the last thing I rewatched was the omen with, uh, Gregory Peck. And, uh, uh, I forgot how uh, abrasive yet campy that movie is, Ryan. <laughs> uh, yep. <laughs> it's, it's it's a great watch. It's a great watch. I loved watching it. I love watching Gregory Peck in that movie. Uh, but I forgot some of the camera movement, uh, specifically when 
they're queuing in the score. And when things become heightened, do they become operatic uh, to a, to a strange degree? But Richard Donner directs the hell out of that movie. Like th- there's imagery in that film that that still hits you. Like, I mean, we all know that it's all for you, Damien. And that image of her fucking breaking her neck as she hangs herself is just fucking brutal. Um, the, the priest getting the spike through his chest. And um, I'd forgotten about David Warner getting his head fucking decapitated with the sheet of glass. <laughs> that yep. was a fun effect. <laughs> when you think um, everything's all over. Oh, yeah. Man. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I, I, th- so that was something I forgot. And I forgot, I knew that Damien got away, but I forgot that the parents he ends up with are the president of the United and first lady of the United States. <laughs> yep. So <laughs> quite a movie i i it made me miss richard donner like as i was watching i'm like god damn it this man was fucking brilliant <laughs> um so yeah that's all i watched this week boys and girls rad with your shitty fucking list uh did i talk about titan last week no the french you one did not no no really oh man okay uh all right the new stuff i watched uh, a french horror question mark movie called Titan um, where a I guess uh, like Fast and Furious car model um, kills a bunch of people uh, her friends roommates and a fan and then goes on the run and then as she's on the run she sees a wanted poster of herself and then a missing child poster of someone who looks very similar to her so she assumes that identity and uh, gets taken home by the father who's like, yep, this is definitely my son. Um, and meanwhile, uh, she had sex with a Cadillac before that, and now she's pregnant with that Cadillac's baby. Wait, an actual car? <laughs> yes. What the fuck? Wait, what? Yep. Remember when I said the French, they're weird, man? And, so- and that little baby grew up to be Christine. So you remember that uh, movie Raw a couple years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is the same director, but this is way more weird. Uh, so anyway, yeah. So she's uh, pretending to be um, this guy's, this firefighter's son um, while also getting more and more pregnant um, as the movie goes on. And uh, yeah, dealing with, with hiding her identity and, and uh, yeah, there's definitely some, uh, trans rights allegory to it so um it's it's i wouldn't say it's a bad movie it's just super weird um and it's it's super intense like it's very graphic um i'm surprised it wasn't an nc-17 <laughs> movie um she she does give birth to the <laughs> so the fuck? The, well i mean it, it's not a car but it's like a hybrid thing but anyway hybrid human metal thing yeah She's basically carrying around like a titanium egg in her t- stomach for most of the movie. Um, but yeah, it is interesting. Uh, and then I also saw the uh, new movie Lamb. I wanted to see that one. Yeah, uh, that wins the award for a movie you just want to shout at the end. Like when the end comes, you want to stand up and just yell fuck you at the screen. Because <laughs> it's so disappointing. Um, yeah. Uh, so there's like this uh, this couple uh, of farmers in Iceland. Um, you know, they're doing their daily farming stuff and there's clearly some kind of like rift between them. 
Um, and, you know, they slowly reveal that um, they might have tried to have, to have children in the past and it didn't work out. Um, and then one day they're, you know, collecting all the, the lambs that are being born. And one of them is born with half with like a lamb's head and a, and a little child's body. And, uh, you know, they fall in love with it and try to raise it. And then the husband's brother, who's kind of like a drifter, wanders onto the farm and at first is really prejudiced against their lamb child and then grows to love it too. And then, um, yeah, the whole movie, you're just wondering, okay, where is this going? There better be a great payoff at the end. And it's not. (laughs) It's kind of like, oh, that's weird. And then it just ends. So, yeah, hmm. lamb. Really slow, uh, but I mean, it, the the effect of the ha- the hybrid lamb child was actually pretty cool and adorable. Like, I can't believe this movie even like suggests that it's a horror movie, because um, most of the time it's just like a sweet um, a snapshot of this really bizarre family. <laughs> like, nothing really terrible or. Um, uh, like violent or gross happens until the very end. So, mm. um, yeah. And like you, a, a good, I'd say half an hour is just starting the movie. <laughs> so you just see them doing their chores most of the time. Yeah. It's really slow. Oh. Um, yeah. And then I guess that brings me to my super awesome Halloween themed list uh, where I started recently with did i talk about wicked city last one last time nope that's anime that's an anime and i forgot how graphic that is um borderline nc-17 demons and uh violence against women uh and then i watched crawl and that was kind of fun the 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 alligators are severely cgi uh heavy but um you know, it's kind of like phone booth where like you're just impressed with the small filmmaking aspect of it. Oh no, I think it's yeah, I think it's a fun movie because the the dialogue and the story are, are garbage, like super annoying. Um, yep. And then I also watched Saint Maud, and that was interesting. Uh, Zach talked about it, so well, move well, on. But, but, but let's see. What did you think? What did you think? I said it was interesting. Okay. I watched it and I was like, okay, that's the thing I watched and I moved on. Okay. Uh, then I watched The Return of the Living Dead, which I think I had seen before, but I can't remember. And uh, I, nice. I appreciate the uh, the schlocky 80s horror aspect to it. Um, then I watched The Ghoulies Part 1 and 2 for the first time. <laughs> One is why <laughs> really bad uh, and not interesting at all. Um, it's just a, uh, just like a, a devil worshiping cult and they have a kid and that kid grows up and inherits the house and then he gets back into doing cult stuff on his own and he summons the ghoulies and they just do kind of like minor annoyances to everyone in the mansion. And then eventually, uh, he stops being a cult leader because he wants to, uh, marry his girlfriend or whatever. So then they send the ghoulies back to hell and then ghoulies too actually has like violence and stuff uh you know gore and uh, whatnot but it's based around a traveling uh carnival um and 
they get summoned into the 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 trailer rig or whatever which when they unfold it and you actually get to experience the haunted house of it is way bigger than that what that a semi would be um it's clearly a soundstage but you know i don't know how you fold out that into a a semi truck but um yeah and then uh they just kind of screw around in in the haunted house and then people think that the, the people who run it are killing people when it's actually the ghoulies so then they run them out of town. I watched Little Monsters, which I think was Ryan's number 10 from last year or two years yeah, ago. Yeah, two years ago. Yeah. And that was fun. Uh, there's like a, um, Chris Hemsworth's uh, stunt double uh, is like a loser brother uh, who gets roped into taking his <laughs> nephew um, on a field trip to a, like a petting zoo like australian zoo retreat i guess for kids um and meanwhile much like return of the living dead there's like a military uh issue that releases the the zombies and um a stunt double chris hemsworth uh, falls for his nephew's teacher and so he's just trying to like hook up with her while they're escaping the zombie horde and then um Josh Gad is the uh, like kid show host who's actually secretly like har- like hates kids and is like he, he has like the celebrity uh, big head and everything and uh, you know causes problems as they try to get that out of the situation. That's fun. Uh, I rewatched It's a Disaster, which is a 2012 movie. I haven't seen it since 2012. It's like a small indie movie where um, a bunch of couples go to a couple's brunch um and there's like some kind of drama behind the scenes that you slowly get introduced to and as while they're having the couple's brunch a uh nerve gas bomb goes off in the city and so they're all trapped inside the house waiting to die um and they're just like dealing with all their problems with each other um and like david cross is one of the uh, characters in it so that's what like first draw me to it but it's kind of a fun just like if you're an actor just being able to like act with like six other people in a small, it, it seems like a movie you could like do in a weekend or like a week. Um, it's kind of fun. It's like has snappy dialogue, you know? Uh, then I watched return of the living dead three, um, yep. which was also schlocky and like a sci-fi channel movie. <laughs> I don't think you appreciate it. Like I did. <laughs> like it's for the first half of it i was like this is terrible and then it actually got kind of interesting at the end when uh the dude's girlfriend starts actually turning like i don't know why it takes her so long to become a zombie because everyone else just instantly becomes a zombie when they're introduced that get that that gas thing but um uh, she is a zombie but she uses the pain so she doesn't uh like eat people so she's able to like hold back eating people whereas everyone else can't do that yeah, because remember in the first one, uh, that half zombie mummy lady goes the pain. <laughs> yeah, but she was like full zombie. Yeah, she was a torso. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but yeah, and then she like transformed. Like she gets her basically her hunting outfit, <laughs> just like all of her piercings and everything. Yep. Just, and then like you'd think that after the army dude's son <laughs> caused the whole problem in the first place by 
breaking into the facility that he would never be allowed back in there. But they do, and he totally ruins everyone's lives again. Um, yeah, and then they they die together because they were so in love. Man, uh, quit spoiling things. You sound <laughs> like Corinne. Sorry, I spoiled a movie from 1993. <laughs> uh, I watched this, another movie called 12 Hour Shift where there's a nurse who steals narcotics uh, from the place she works and sells them. Uh, and her sister sucks and she's trying to like har- harvest kidneys and sell them. And uh, yeah, they just kind of go back and forth. Like, it's kind of like comedy of errors where they keep losing the kidneys and people keep confusing. There's like um David Arquette is in there and he's uh like a like a skate conduit who got shot and so eventually he wakes up from his coma and then goes on a rampage. Um yeah. Uh I watched Ch- Children of the Corn which I thought there was more to uh, more to that movie than just um a town full of kids uh murder a bunch of people. And that's exactly what that movie is. Yeah, it's not that good. And it's one of those movies that is has this huge cult following. And I, I, I was never a fan of it. Yeah, Lynn, Lynn, Lynn Hamilton and her, uh, I don't know, fiance, boyfriend, husband uh, are on the way to like the next chapter of life. And they stop off in this town where a bunch of like um, religious fanatics kids have, I guess, somehow murdered all the adults uh, without any consequence. And... Uh, you know, keep trying to sacrifice more of them as people come into town. So, is the the one like preacher kid an adult actor? Because he he seems like just like a yeah. small adult who's pretending to be a kid. And if that's a kid, yeah, I'm just like that's a weird kid. I haven't seen it in a while, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. He's super intense <laughs> for a, a yeah. child actor. <laughs> so, uh, I also watched Slither. And that was kind of fun, but like the CGI slug stuff does not hold up <laughs> from 2006. Um, yeah, no, that movie's really fun. Um, and then the last thing I watched was Phantasm, which I have no idea what's going on in that movie, and I don't care. <laughs> Nobody does, Brad. Nobody knows what's going on. Good, because I was like, I think for the first third, I was like, do we even have main characters? Like, who are we following here? And then by the end, I think I fell asleep. And then woke up and like in the middle of like the like Peacock had just started me on Phantasm Four for some reason, so I thought it was like a continuation of the movie <laughs> until the um, credits came up. Actually, Phantasm Two is probably the best one in the series, and I mean it's a fun watch, but none of them are. They're another cult movie, and each one of them, I always go, "Oh, this is okay." Yeah, I. I came and describe it to you. I have no idea what was going on. Like, yeah, like, nobody does. There's like two brothers, and they're running from a tall man who's, I think, maybe boy. <laughs> I don't. I, did you see that in that movie? Because I, I kept waiting for it. And I never. And never he says it, it at the very end. I think in the first one. If, okay, I don't. Yeah. I, I I've seen them that all, part. but they're all so weird that I can never keep them straight. <laughs> yeah, it seems like well, that uh, box set, don't you? No. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like the two brothers. They slip in seems like they're slipping in and out of fantasies uh, for this tall man guy who might be like an interdimensional creature. I don't know. There yeah. you go. You got it. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. And they have the little Jawas running around. Yeah, you got it. Oh yeah. That's, that's what the cloak things were. And then they have like the little silver mirror ball things that like 
poke you in the face. Yep. Uh, yeah. What'd you watch, Ryan? Uh, well, if you want to know the best Halloween list to watch, um, mine is by far superior. Um, what I did, and I'll just refresh people. I, I just go, there's this website called bestrandoms.com and you can select movies. And then in a movie generator, I just uh, put like five horror movies because sometimes they pick ones that I don't own or I can't stream. Oh, so you're not even doing all the work. Here I am curating mm-hmm. my own, putting all <laughs> yep. the effort in, and you're just letting a robot do it for you. Doesn't yeah. sound but- like you're really invested in this challenge, buddy. Well, here no, I am my... trying to coordinate the stars and some of the directors, and here you are with a computer. Yep. Well, that's when you get stuff like uh, I'll I'll start off. Uh, the first one I had was uh, Twenty Eight Days Later, which is still uh, a really great infected movie. It is not a zombie movie. <laughs> um, remember, a zombie is someone who dies and comes back to life. In Twenty Eight Days Later, you are just whoa, infected. Whoa, whoa. Slow with... down, egghead. <laughs> I. It's a really cool movie. Um, you know, the one thing I, I say this about all Danny Boyle movies, I do without his drug trippy scenes that he has in every movie. Um, but it's still really visceral and it's really cool. Um, uh, then the next one it picked for me was Evil Dead, the two, 2013 one, which is a hell of a movie um, and has really intense moments and uh, yeah, great stuff. If you haven't seen it, uh, Jane Levy in the lead as Mia is incredible in the film. That, uh, tongue, mo- that tongue moment will never leave my mind. You know, I always think the, the creepiest part in it is after she is sexually assaulted by the forest. Right. And um, she comes back home or to the cabin and she calls her brother in and she goes, she's saying, someone in the road with me. And no one believes her. Then you look in the corner and it's that one, basically her as a demon um, panting and looking all creepy, I think is really effective. Mm. Um, I I watched uh, the house on sorority row, which is kind of a cheesy 80s slasher film. Um, it has elements of kind of uh, a whodunit. Uh, the kills are, it, a lot during this time, I think this came out in '83. There's a lot of movies that were trying to capitalize on the Friday the 13th craze, and none of the gore effects were quite as cool as Friday the 13th. But I mean, if you want to watch an '80s slasher film, it's uh, one of the better ones. Um, uh, Zombieland Double Tap is a really fun movie. Uh, I, I'm a big, I love Woody Harrelson, and I think he's really great in the movie. Um, just continuing the adventures of that universe is really fun um and the different types of zombies are are really fun in it uh and again just totally random so i the next one it picked for me was saw six which i actually think is one of the better saw movies um there's a couple traps in it that are pretty intense and it's the one that has a pretty coherent um uh you're gonna pay for being a shitty person um trope that they usually follow but some of the saw movies don't follow that trope i guess or stylisting um this one is the insurance company that won't insure someone uh, the health insurance company that won't insure people because of pre-existing conditions and 
um, then they're targeted by the jigsaw killer. Does this one start um, with like the public execution with like the 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 girl the girl with the like two boyfriends? Uh no. This is there's uh, uh I forget what they're. Uh, I think they are insurance people too, but it's you have to cut off the most of you um, to win. So the one dude's like cutting off pieces of his like flesh, and then the one lady cuts off her arm, and um, she ends up living uh, because she her cut off more weight. <laughs> um, it's a pretty gruesome beginning. Uh, I did not randomly choose to watch Halloween in 4K. That came in the mail, and so I watched it, and it's always really fun revisiting films you know like the back of your hand uh and watch them in 4k or i remember seeing you know first time in you know, on blu-ray or something and uh it's halloween is so well shot that in 4k it just uh amplifies how great the film looks uh for the budget you know there's some scenes that are really darkly lit with uh only harsh light maybe on michael myers's mask or mm-hmm. on Lori at certain points yeah and it just looks awesome it does i'm curious what you think of the there is a different color timing on that 4k transfer uh, yeah i, I noticed it's with. a little uh more warm it's not as uh i don't know if cool is the right word but um I get what you're saying. There's there's a there's a key difference in it. I I I have got both versions, so I don't like I'm not like, you know, pissing in the wind on it, but I I did notice it. It didn't take away my enjoyment though. I do like I like what Cundy was going for in that new transfer. Um yeah, but I, I tend I, I tend to go to the older disc though. Yeah, I think this uh did you get the new one, Zach? The absolute new one yeah. uh, from Screen Factory? No, uh, but I have the 4K transfer that they got approved through um, Lionsgate and Anchor Bay. So that, this is a new one again. It says it's a 2021 4K scan, but it's also approved by Dean Cundy. So I don't know if it's the same one, but mm. are they freshened up the one from two years ago? Halloween has lots of releases. It's like Evil Dead. Well, that's that's how... Uh, that, that's how... Uh, 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 Trankus Films makes its money, right? <laughs> this is how this business works. Um, it's it's why they own the rights to that four and five. Um, uh, I I guess I'll have to pick this up then. I I was gonna pick these up anyway. I've just been kind of waiting till I had the money. But so, I, I do have bad news for you on these. Um, oh no! You might want to wait a little bit longer because they're like thirty eight dollars now on Amazon. Mother of God! Well, you know. I, I, maybe what I would do is end up getting some of the some of the sequels first because I've got plenty of 4Ks on Hall- of of the first Halloween, but I don't have a 4K of like two and three and four and five. So that, yeah, that might I think be I'm a, those four and five show up today for some reason. I they're having supply chain issues, so I'm getting things weird. So mm. today I got four and five in, and I'll let you know how they look. Um, I also watched uh, the Italian schlock classic zombie mm-hmm. which is uh i mean if you want to see a zombie fight a shark uh this movie's for you um if you want to see a woman scuba dive topless for no reason this movie is for you mm-hmm. um if you want to see 
a joint American and Italian production, hey, this movie is for you. And it'll be scenes where someone's speaking English and the other person speaking Italian and they're dubbed in English and it looks really weird. And I never knew why they got, when they have people dub, they're the worst actors ever. Um, well, I mean, and, you've watched the Sergio Leone movie. That's pretty much how they do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, no, it's I guess exactly the actors what are, it is. It's, the actors you're not are better watching... than Sergio's films, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but zombies fun. The gore effects are pretty great. Uh, if you, I mean, the, the, <laughs> the glass through the eyeball, um, there is when the zombies are eating people and they're ripping the flesh off, looks pretty gruesome. Um, th- this movie, I think, is known more for how notorious the, uh, the gore is. Uh, I mean, the movie is okay. Um, it, it delves more into the voodoo aspect of, uh, the zombie lore. Mm. Um, but it's fun. Uh, the, and it's really funny that I got this randomly because I picked up the uh, 4K Blue Underground version of it maybe two weeks ago. And I, I never got around to watching because I started doing this thing and then it picked it for me. So I was huh, it's meant to be. Um, <laughs> I watched the 1985 Fright Night. It's a great film. Um, I, you're, so, you're so cruel. You're so cool, Frost. I know, right? <laughs> I like to think so. Um, <laughs> the, I watched a Halloween H2O with my wife and she's never seen it. Uh, I, I like this one because it's, <laughs> it's uh, really lean and quick. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I, I was t- talking to Laura. I think it's really interesting that Jamie Lee Curtis has been involved in two reboots mm-hmm. um, or continuations. But this one continues after Halloween 2. And the other one is, you know, 2018 is if Halloween 2 didn't exist. That's, so, that was the reason she got on board because they got rid of the sister element because she yeah, thought so it was you stupid got, to begin with. <laughs> you have the multiverse of the Halloween franchise too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's a fun movie and Michael Myers is pretty great. And, and it's directed by Steve Miner who did Friday part two, uh, Friday the 13th part two. So it has a really mean streak to it and it's uh, really lean. Um, I think he I, does a really great job of making Michael Myers scary in it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I thought the about something. I thought about something today with the corkscrew gag, Ryan. <laughs> Steve Miner didn't direct part four, but there's a corkscrew gag in that one too, and it leads to a death. And so Steve yep. Miner might be playing a nice little trick there. Hey, hey, where's the goddamn corkscrew? Um, oh, I've got it for you right here. <laughs> I watched a movie called The Empty Man, which uh, uh, it didn't do that well. I, I guess it came out in theaters last year, but kind of went away. Um, it's based on a comic book, but it's not anything like the comic book. I don't think when I read the premise of the comic book and I watched the movie, I said, Oh, these aren't very similar. Um, it deals with an urban legend of the empty man who, if you blow into like a flute or something and wish for him to be there, he shows up. And the first day you call him the second day you hear him and, the third day or the second day, the first day you hear him, second day you see him and the third day he comes to get you. Um, it, it deals with a girl that goes missing and like a lot of quote unquote smart horror films, they collapse under their own weight of trying to be too clever for their own good. Um, the film looks incredible 
And the guy who shot it, who is the director, editor, and uh, writer, uh, did the documentary on Zodiac by David Fincher and um, a couple other documentaries. So he has a really great flair for how things should look good uh, cinema-wise. Um, there is a couple shocking scenes and there's a couple unsettling scenes, um, but it collapses under its own weight. And it's also almost two hours and 20 minutes long, which is a big stretch for a horror film. If it's not really well done, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the beginning is a pretty gruesome and intense film. I, I love that it gives uh, Arlie Ermey a really big uh starring role where he's kind of the main character in it. Um, and I do love platinum dunes version of Leatherface. He's really mean and uh, he's not unstoppable, but he has a lot of power behind him. And the last thing I watched, and this counts because it's listed uh, as horror on IMDb is the Adams family Two. Uh, the first Adams family cartoon was not very good. This one is worse. I did not laugh at it at all. Um, some of the stuff didn't make any sense. Like at one point they're at the Grand Canyon and Pugsley starts blowing up the Grand Canyon. I don't know how he set up explosives throughout the whole Grand Canyon. It just starts. It's and, a cartoon. <laughs> yeah, but you, it, it, I know cartoons don't have to have logic, but sometimes it's just, oh, we haven't had a lot of noise for a long time. We got to keep the kids interested. Okay, that's, um, that, that's a fair point. <laughs> And that's what it felt like. And then Wednesday murdered the this lawyer guy, I think, because um, <laughs> she like caught him and hung him from a tree upside down in the Grand Canyon. And then she took this phone call. I'm not going to spoil the phone call in case you want to see this film. Um, but anyways, uh, at the end, she says, I had to let him go. And he's no longer like hanging over the Grand Canyon. And they never address it, you know, that you think in a kid's film would be like, oh, uh, he like fell in a bowl of butterscotch or something. Um, but, and it was the first movie too. That's funny that uh, Pat Oswald talks about in one of his stand up bits how he gets paid lots of money to hear people off camera and these really expensive CGI cartoons say something that doesn't make any sense at all, but just gets you to laugh. Mm -hmm. And I picked this up in this movie multiple times. Um, yeah, this movie is awful. Um, Kellen really liked it, so I guess there's that. Um, and that's what I watched this week. I forgot I also watched Monkey Shines, and the best thing I can say about it, that is the monkey's really well trained. <laughs> Did you talk about What If? Uh, no. Uh, yeah, What If ended. <laughs> I thought that was last week. Was it last? No, no the, was the last one was this week. What If it ended this week? Think about uh, it. Yeah, well, what if continued the storyline of the Watcher actually getting involved because Vision becomes Ultron after he gets the Infinity Stones and he's able to smash through uh, multiverses. And so the Watcher puts together the multiverse Avengers and um, they take on Ultron. They're the guardians of the multiverse. Yeah. It's pretty awesome to see everybody come together like that. Even the zombies make an appearance. They do to slow them down. I, it was fun. I, you know, I, I mean, for me, the MVP of this what if series is definitely Chadwick Boseman as 
Chala. Mm-hmm. Um, it just makes you miss him a lot because he has some really great moments in it. And um, I mean, I still love Haley Atwell as Captain Carter. Uh, I, I think she's the, great. This version of Doctor Strange. Yep. He was carrying that team too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's interesting uh, that they brought him back because I I think the Doctor Strange episode is the best episode of the season, and um, I like the Star Lord T'Challa one better. Yeah, that one's good. Um, Yeah, there's only a couple of the episodes. um, The Tony Stark Killmonger one was I wasn't a big fan of. Um, I thought it it was was an interesting premise. I just think the execution wasn't quite there. You know, it it's funny. I mean, it they're none of them are bad. Um, some are just better than those, but it they really did remind me of the what if comics where they were, you know, one issue and then they're you get through twenty-two pages and it has to end in two pages, and I'm like, oh fuck. And here's a quick ending, you know. Um but yeah, uh, it was fun. Um the only one I didn't like was the zombie one. I felt like that was just kind of filler. Yeah, it was still fun. Like, I, I don't think there was... The series wasn't like WandaVision or Loki for me, where I says, oh, man, this is really fun. Um, I, I kind of like where everything's going. I mean, the stuff was fun. Um, but I, it's probably, I think, the weakest of all their shows. Oh, really? I think I liked it better than most of them. Definitely better than Falcon and Winter Soldier. Mm, nope <laughs> but that's okay we could agree to disagree as we do on many things ryan yep some of us have cool taste some of us have lame taste we can't we can't ba- beggars can't be choosers whatever that meant mm-hmm. i don't know what i'm saying um anyways <laughs> that's what i watched this week we return to the theater's this week again to see James Bond in No Time to Die. Corinne, do you recommend No Time to Die? Yeah, it was a pretty fun movie. I didn't really care for exactly how they ended it, um, but it was pretty fun to watch. And I guess it just kind of hurt the movie that we've been waiting for it for so long. Uh, you know, like what, two? two years at least a year because i remember i saw the posters when i went to see wolf walkers and thinking oh man i can't wait to see that and then now here it is like a year later was Um, it the first movie that was postponed because of coronavirus i think it was i think so yeah i think it was going to be april 2020 yeah well actually i think mulan mulan was going to be like late march well well, i mean but it was actually i think it goes uh quiet place to mulan and then no time to die i think that's how Something it went like that yeah yeah it was one of them but anyway yeah i don't think that that helped it uh i so thought the villain was okay it kind of tied it a lot of plot threads together but it was good to see blofeld again uh yeah it was just some there were some parts that i was kind of surprised by but then you know like i said didn't really care for the ending too much so, yeah, it was fun. Zach? Um, yeah, I think you should. Um, I'm a casual Bond fan. Like, I'm not a, a diehard. Um, but I followed the Craig run all the way through uh, since since 2006 in theaters. And watching it come to an end this way, I liked how the movie ends up addressing Bond as a whole. 
Um, it's a little long. Um, so it kind of docked me a little bit for that, but I mean, it, it has enough going on in it to keep you entertained. Um, Craig's great as usual. I think Rami Malek's fine. Um, I enjoyed seeing my beloved Christoph Waltz back on screen again. Um, and yeah, it, it's just a, it's a fun spy time in the movies. So yeah, I would definitely seek it out. Brad. Uh, so I got to see this movie twice already. And one of those screenings was in 4DX 3D. So my cool. role will uh, incorporate some of that. But um, yeah, the first time I saw it, which wasn't that um, I was like, you know, this is an okay movie. And uh, it's really a sad movie. And a lot of it deals with um, coming to terms with kind of an obsolete format like mm-hmm. that James Bond is. Um, so it definitely feels a little neutered and also because the, uh, the main plot of this movie involves a virus. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> parts of a uh, kind of feel like the, uh, the, the plot involving Rami Malek got axed a bit in editing probably, uh, which is why I was surprised he had very little uh, to do in the movie. Um, but, you know, as a movie, just about kind of the, it's kind of about endings and a conclusion to the, uh, Daniel Craig, James Bond character arc, you know, find kind of wrestling with ending and also being sort of a man out of time um, and relevant anymore. Um, the second time I watched it was even better because uh, I was able to like not focus on like how the virus works and like what that plot is and just focus on like, here's a guy who's at the end of his journey. Um, and so there's like a lot of background details like, am I crazy or was Org Goldfinger in there? I don't know. You mean in the Spectre Party? Yeah, I mean, I don't know who that it's is. entire. It's entirely possible. I mean, look alike, and not like the actual actors. I think he's dead. Well, anyway. well, yeah, no, they didn't. They did. They didn't resurrect him. Um, no, I mean, th- some of the extras that are in that Spectre Party did look like they had some iconoclasm about them, but I've only seen the movie once, so yeah. Anyway, yeah, I think it's it's a pretty. Uh, I mean, it's not the best of the Craig bonds, but I think, I think it's definitely better than Spectre or quantum of solace. Yeah. I recommend this movie too. It's lots. Of, I, I have a lot of fun going into it and I wonder if my wife can make more noise right now. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't even know what she's doing. Um, Bang some pots and pans. I, yeah, no, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, I, I really didn't notice the runtime, but to be honest with you, because I thought it moved along pretty well. There's a couple parts where it dragged, but um Yeah, my second time I through, spe- I was like, this is over already? Wow. Yeah. Um I love the Spectre party um moment because um that lady from uh Knives Out is great. Oh on the Armist, oh yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, you should go see this. Here's a trailer for No Time to Die. Bond, any thug can kill. I have to know I can trust you. Well, I understand double O's have a very short life expectancy. You are a kite dancing in a hurricane, Mr. Bond. Is this really what you want? Always alone?
used to be able to get into a room with the enemy. And now they're just floating in the ether. When her secret finds its way out, it'll be the death of you. Oh my God, target enough people. And the people become the weapon. Who is he? James, you don't know what this is? James Bond. Licensed to kill. In love with Madeline Swan. I could be speaking to my own reflection. Only your skills die with your body. And life is all about leaving something behind, isn't it? Come on, Bond. Where the hell are you? Don't do this. There will be nothing left to save. I have to finish this. You have a flow artist. Nope. You know, Bond just wants a break. You know, he's retired. And he can never catch a break because the ghost of Spectre haunts him. Mm-hmm. There's that great line uh, when the new 007 asks him if he's in trouble. He's just constantly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, basically, this movie is tying up all the Daniel Craig loose ends. Yeah. Um, I-, I thought that was actually a fun aspect of the movie is it kept touching on moments from his uh run as james bond whether it was blofeld or um you know uh m or whatever there's nice little winks throughout his run that kept on popping up it's, it seemed Felix. like the movie also was trying to kind of like clean up some of the stuff from specter um and really kind of just i don't want to say justify specter but like make it work within the within the continuity of it, the way Quantum of Solace kind of became more important as time went on. Or am I crazy? No, I think you're right. I mean, okay, yeah. So it was interesting to see them kind of tie that up because I don't think Spectre was that terrible, but I I know I'm an outlier there. Um, no, I don't, you know, I don't I'm think any you. of, I don't think with any of Daniel Craig's bonds are terrible. Um, I mean, Quantum of Solace is, whatever but i i think for the majority of them i still think they're entertaining mm-hmm. i think they it kind of feels like story-wise my impression watching this one just feels like they don't know what else to do with him because i mean they've done 25 of these and most of them hinge around like the villain has a plot on how to mm-hmm. destroy the world and this one whether it's they neutered it because of the correlation with the virus storyline or if it was meant to be this way. And it's just like, you know, yeah, it's another villain in a, in a, on an Island with a, with a destroy the world plot. Like we don't know what else to do with it. So we're just going to focus on bond personally. And this is this thing in the background that's happening. So um, mm-hmm. 
It seemed yeah, like but, a good decision to me. I mean, there's just something different. Yeah, yeah like, I, I agree with Corinne. I think it's too. It's because they were trying to end, give a definitive ending to Daniel Craig's James Bond. So they made the story a little more personal. Right. And he's also ending an you're ending an era of Bond that comes at a time in film where we're wanting continuity laden in our films. All the Bonds prior to this don't really have connecting threads. They're their own pocket adventures. So Yeah. And even him and M talk about it when they're like on the like boardwalk or whatever. When M's just like, you know, they acknowledge each other, you know, what do you think is planning? He's like, Oh, probably take over the world kill a bunch of people like and they just kind of laugh like yeah we've been down this road so many times like we don't know what else to... <laughs> it's like what so, what else do what else do you say <laughs> yeah, like what, what else do we put this guy through that's not just you know him saving the world again um yeah. and defeating some kind of like new weapon or technology so yeah fan theory I... the bomb that batman got over the bay at gotham landed on the landed on the island now man it um, took like 10 years to get there yeah <laughs> um i i like the idea of because it's on an island uh where a lot of these uh a lot of these climaxes end up in a bond film the idea of it just like going like no nah, i'm not i'm not escaping this island this time like i i liked that image and that idea of him around in an, an old reactor and uh, Q is trying to work him through, wa- trying to explain to him how to activate that device that's controls from the fifties, and he just knows how to do them. <laughs> like, he's locked at it. Yeah, yep. he's just like, I know what I- I've been through this for fifty years. <laughs> you know, I just remembered. I, I was thinking while I was watching it the second time. I kind of wish the plot was because it's really fascinating that um, Safin is trying to, um, like, simultaneously take down Blofeld while Blofeld's trying to take down. James Bond, and I think if the movie was more of a cat and mouse between two, like, there's, has there ever been a Bond movie where there's like two villains going up against Bond? Like, not that I remember. With like two separate schemes, like I think that would have been like a fun back and forth because as as great as uh, Christoph Waltz is, you know, having him back, he didn't get. I don't know. I thought like he didn't get like a good enough. Out. I thought we were I thought we were getting a Hannibal uh, a Hannibal Lecter type of uh type of scenario out of him but when I did like the twist of he goes to kill him and then they connected with the virus that way you just see Christoph Waltz limped over their dead like I was just like oh shit I didn't see this happening yeah. this is interesting <laughs> Corinne you were trying to say something but kept on getting cut off Oh yeah I was just saying that you know I went into this movie you know I was pretty sure they were probably going to kill him off. Um, But then when they revealed that he has a daughter, I was like, oh, so I guess his happy ending is going to be this kind of Dark Knight Rises sort of thing where, you know, the world thinks that he's dead, but he actually is alive and he gets to be with the love of his life and their daughter and he gets a happily ever after and a peaceful retirement. But then, no, they kill him off. And that was just very sad. It's like, oh. After a shitty year, we can let one of, you know, cinema's most beloved characters have a happy ending. Oh, okay. It'd yeah, be great if, uh, if M saw him at a Parisian cafe years later and just uh, gave him a slight nod. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my I'm, friend Brett and I were both really upset about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of wondering um, where, 
where their plan is to go from here because at the end of the credits they do say james bond will return um oh did they yeah yeah they, oh yeah so i told yeah. brett that you know like give it 19 years and we'll have a uh what, what was it? matilde bond movie <laughs> yeah i mean if they're acknowledging like how this character is kind of like outlived his like relevance like it's interesting mm-hmm. that they would uh admit that like oh yeah we get, we have a plans for what to do next well i mean i, I still think he's such an iconic character that he's not going to go away but no it, he's not no what i've i've always said is and i mean they kind of did this in this film is 007 is really just a code name so mm-hmm. you can have a new person be james bond and have whatever film you want to make um so I got looks at because that's like, oh, cool, Matilda Bond, like that could be um, Emily Blunt Bond. Hell yeah! Just or we could have like... Lashana Lynch continue it because I liked her in this movie a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, uh, the easiest way for them to get around that is to just make another Bond movie, but then just set it like pre-internet, just put it back in like the fifties or sixties or whatever. Ooh, Ryan, I can finally direct a Bond movie. <laughs> Yes. Um, uh, can I offer a not a counterpoint to Corinne's uh, statement on the death, but like a like a aside on it is that like I understand how there's depression abound on that. I really liked that they killed him, uh, primarily because it's one of the ballsiest things I've ever seen a Bond movie do is actively say like you know this concept has run its course in course to, in, in over 60 years that that character was built out of a post-war era looming into the cold war and it's it's far from relevant by comparison and the craig movies found a way to keep it relevant but they were running they were running on borrowed time in a certain sense so like it makes sense that you kill off this iteration of it in a world where we have continuity. And I think they gave him a wonderful death as opposed to like, I don't think it's a depressing death. I think it's like, he's kind of like free of a lot of his pain by the end of it. Well, I mean, I'd also push back. I don't know if they killed him off because of the times have changed. I, I, I read it as no, no matter how happy he wants to be or wants to have, a life with his family or whatever the case may be is he'll always have the ghost of whomever uh, chasing him. Mm-hmm. And that's why he can't even um, go to Italy where he's retired without, I mean, I know Spectre's dead, but doesn't mean someone else isn't around that knows who James Bond is because of his exploits. So for him, him dying probably saves his whole family yeah i don't think it's wrong to say that both of us are correct in that respect because i'm more looking at it from a writer's analytical point of view and not necessarily the plot but you're right and there's also the feasibility that somebody could rise from specter shadow and start a whole new organization as a result so what other option really is there for him to have some peace because mi6 isn't going away but bond's been at the center of a lot of of a lot of uh of a lot of chaos so yeah, I, and I like I just want to say I don't think they killed him because of that. I think it was just like, you know, they wanted to give Daniel Craig a great send off, 
And that's, yeah. like, that's a daring thing to do in the, in like in this franchise is to actually just actually go. And it's it. definitive. <laughs> yeah. So like, I just think like the movie remarked on the fact that like, yeah, like overall the character, no matter who plays him, you know, we're kind of butting up against like, what do we do next? We're not sure. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, we're going to edit here and we'll see what the future holds. So it does mean that out of any of the people who have played Bond, Craig is the only one that has an actual arc, which is interesting. And in yeah. 60 years of filmmaking, 2006 to now has been the only time that James Bond has ever had an actual arc uh, as a character. Well, just because the way the movies were written, he was allowed to. The other mm-hmm. Bonds weren't really allowed to because all their movies had to be standalone, basically. Yeah. No, I know. It's in- it's interesting to consider that because of how long this franchise has lasted. Because there- there's a world where this movie... This, there's a world where this franchise doesn't exist after Die Another Day. And thankfully, we didn't get that world. Thankfully, we got this wonderful arc of five movies that are, for the most part, really damn enjoyable. Agreed. Yeah. I also, I also and... thought uh, the Anna de Armas sequence was refreshing that, you know, they just meet up and then... <laughs> do their job and then they just part ways and there's not like the traditional bond like oh i gotta hook up with her before she goes yeah uh, i love too that it's you've only been on this for three weeks and she said yeah <laughs> <laughs> and she turns out to be a badass anyway yeah her nate uh her innocence but is great until she's you know thrust into action and she's pretty badass so and she's even given break. character too she's allowed to be nervous prior like she Make has her james nerves. bond i'm down yeah. Ooh. That's a good idea. Yeah, I have him every once in a while. What do you think Sean Connery would have thought of it? No, no, he's dead. I know, but just just <laughs> I don't think he liked and... any Bond movies after he left. Like he didn't like didn't, he didn't even like making the Bond movies he did. <laughs> I understand that. I'm just asking a nice rhetorical. Well, okay, fine. What did Timothy Dalton think of it? <laughs> um Is that a rhetorical question? No, that's a genuine question. I want <laughs> Timothy Dalton's opinion on most things. I'm sure he liked it as much as he liked uh, model town through his jaw. He wants whatever's want... best for the greater good. The greater, <laughs> yes. greater good. good. He stopped saying the greater good. The greater good. That's exactly what I was thinking, Brad. I was like, isn't it? I couldn't. It's been so long since I've seen that movie. I was like, is it for the greater good? Oh, God. Can we, can we review Hot Fuzz next week? No. Next yes. week is the last duel. No. last Next week is not the last duel, Corinne. Yes, it is. No. Well, uh, next the last week, duel you uh, mean is... Ryan, uh, take next it away. Week, next week on Real Nurse Podcast, we'll be seeing Halloween Kills as our film of the week. Yes! Um, we'll see if the Strode women can take down Michael Myers once and for all. No. Um, or what if Ryan what if the mob led by Tommy Doyle goes way out of control and the ghost of Dr. Loomis has to stop them and Michael at the same time spoiler <laughs> alert he's not gonna die I know there's a, oh, there's yeah, already a sequel you... called Halloween well yeah we know yeah. There's, there's, there's a trilogy. sequel next month I'm just saying <laughs> I'm guessing they don't do it <laughs> they um, don't succeed so yeah. uh, we'll do that next week and I'm thinking November 12th for um, Film Explosion 2011 Oh, you think so? Um, yeah, because uh, Eternals is the week before, and the following week there's 
a movie, but I can't remember what it is. But it's um, I think that'll work the best. It's Ghostbusters after because well because Ghostbusters is the week after the twelfth. Yeah, so that sounds good to me. Okay, cool, wonderful. So nope. yeah, yeah, it's one, two, three, four weeks away. So get those lists in. Yep. Alrighty. All righty. Thank you, everybody, and we will see you at the movies. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening and have a nice day.